Welcome to Leaders Lens. I'm Jacob Espinoza. And I am Cassidy Edwards, and we are analyzing our favorite movies through the Leaders Lens. Enjoy. We are back. Leaders Lens, we are here today to talk about coming to America. And we have a much different leader to talk about. So last week we talked about Nito Brown from New Jack City. Today we're talking about Prince Akeem from Coming to, to America. But before we get into that, like Coming to America, this was a big movie for Eddie Murphy um, in the 80s. So even for us as 80s babies, this was, was, this was an old movie, but hilarious, incredible. What were some of the things that made it such a pivotal, pivotal movie? Yeah. So, hey, y'all, welcome back. Um, this movie, when it came out, I w- I'm dating myself, but I was like just entering elementary school. Um, so definitely watched it in the 90s, early 90s. And it was not only a great time for Eddie Murphy, because you also have like Beverly Hills Cop, you have The Golden Child. So it was like a really um, great time for his career. But the movie was so pivotal in like the black home for sure because you kind of knew somebody that was each character like the characters were hilarious you could really relate um and i just love that much like new jack city but in a different way it it encapsulated like the new york experience like in that time frame of like you know early 90s late 80s um and so that was always like really fun to watch and one other kind of call out from coming to America was that you got these distinct like perspectives from two sides of the black experience. You got to see like the royalty, but you also got to see the real life, you know, and and they just did it in like the most hilarious way. (laughs) And I love that even for people that weren't familiar with New York, like you Mm -hmm. could just kind of get a feel of what the city was like by having this experience, living through this experience of somebody entirely outside of it, no frame of context of what New York is, and then just trying to be part of the culture and just wanting to be like a regular person in New York and just like seeing what the interactions were like. Um, Like even like the scene where he he asked a taxi driver, like take me to Queens. And like just based off the taxi driver's expression and how he responded to that, you kind of understood like, okay, that's what, that's what Queens in the eighties was, was all about. Yes. And he's like, you sure you want to go to Queens? Yeah. Um, and so I think it to me, it's easily one of the the best like comedies to date, um, I think. And because one reason that I think it was very impressive is because Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, like just the the two of them played so many characters in the movie. Like it wasn't just one character they were playing. They were many characters um, and so that made it like really, really fun to watch. And we've seen this happen like since then, right? Like, it's kind of become yes. a trend where a lot of comedians will do that. But I feel like this was one of the first movies where you really saw like two two comedians play the role of so many different characters. And yeah, just incredible. And this is Eddie Murphy in his prime, Arsenio yes. Hall in his prime. Like they were just like these up and coming or not up and coming. They had, they had these big movies, but like for them to come together and something like this was was incredible. And then Prince Akeem as a leader. Like last yes. last week we talked about Nino Brown, very much an authoritative leader. Do what I say or else. Prince mm-hmm. Akeem takes a much different, much different <laughs> perspective to uh, to leadership. What were some of the things that stood out to you? Yeah, so I loved his leadership style. I I very much resonated with him versus <laughs> versus Nino. Um, you know, I'm not going to come in and kill my employees. 
But, you know, his empathetic leadership, like that's something that is needed in 2024 and beyond. Um, So if I had to describe the different kind of types of leadership that he showed throughout the movie, he had servant leadership. You know, he was prioritizing the well-being of others. Um, He had transformational leadership. So very inspiring and motivating just by being himself, which is something like I aspire to, to just be that type of leader. Um, And also really collaborative. So like building strong relationships, making sure like he was communicating. So those were like the good side, the good side, I feel like of his leadership. Now, he also had a B side. He had the other side of the tape, right, where there's a little bit of like he was naive, you know, like he was, um, you know, a little impressionable and stuff to where he could easily be taken advantage of, you know, as, as, as that type of leader as well. And it was interesting because he was put in this position of power. So he didn't have mm-hmm. to be like the understanding, empathetic leader. Uh, but fortunately, he was, you know, for the people yes. in his community and in his circle. Um, but he also had a lot of courage, I felt like, to tell his dad, like, I don't want this. Like, I'm trying to find my own path in life. I'm trying to, like, really like, build a life that I want to live. And that can be challenging when you're engulfed in this culture. It can easy, It can be easy. And I think of, like a middle manager stepping up into a a role where they now have more um, influence over the organization. And it's easy sometimes to just do the things to keep things moving the same direction they're already moving. It can be really challenging to be that voice to go against the grain because you don't know how people are going to respond. Like in this movie, Prince Akeem may be part of it. It's like there might have been a risk that he would actually have half his power taken from him and they would find somebody else to, to fill that role. And I think in organizations, we can see that that happen. Um, also, which makes it challenging and it can be scary to actually step up and, and be a voice that goes against the crowd. Yeah, I I love that. And I also think like just to to expand on that a little bit, his privilege bothered him, you know, like to have that level of like privilege and and just, you know, inherited influence. It, it obviously bothered him. You know, he challenged like the traditional norms for him. Um, which I think when leaders step up, and especially that's a great point, like a first time leader as well, or someone moving into more of like a senior leadership role, an executive role, you have to have an awareness of your privilege. Um, And especially when it comes to, you know, like DEI and like those layers of diversity, um, equity, inclusion, justice, belonging, like you have to understand where you sit in those things and how you can challenge traditional norms um, you know, you can stand firmly on your values, just like Prince Hakeem did. And, you know, ultimately, he valued the human being versus the human doing. And that that kind of got him, you know, by the end of the movie, it was a happy ending. <laughs> yes, yes. I think the other thing that I, I liked a lot about him um, and, and leaders can learn from is having people that are equals around you. Mm. He didn't want the he didn't want the wife that was just going to say yes and do everything that he said. Like he wanted somebody who he could bounce ideas off with and would be an equal partner. And sometimes we have to bring that out of people as leaders because some people might feel like this is the boss. I just need to do what they say, and that's going to be my role in this organization. But your team's not going to be at its best if people approach working with you in that capacity. And they're probably also going to hide a lot of things as well because they they don't want to upset you. They want to just you know. They want to be seen as that person that's that's likable because they do the things that you you ask them to do, and 
Yeah. It's important, like finding, finding the equals and having people that are going to argue with you at the table. Yeah. And I think like those, those kind of heated debates are like healthy conflict, like they can exist. Um, I, I knew a really great leader who was in an executive position, a woman, a woman of color. And instead of it being very hierarchical, because she had a lot of influence, she had a lot of like, quote unquote, power in her position. But she liked to work in uh, very collaborative work streams. So like when they came into a jam session or workshopping or brainstorming, she was like, okay, titles, they stay at the door. We're, We're flattening out the org right now. And we need to come together collaboratively. And everyone has a voice in that. So she not only set expectations for what that looked like, but she put herself on the same level as other people that probably made them feel a little more psychologically safe. But also like, okay, my voice matters. Like, and that was specifically said at the start. Like, so I thought that that was a great way to um, kind of remove some of those like, yes, people where everything is like, yes, yes, yes. Um, And just like have that diversity and thought. So uh, those are those are kind of things that I think are important for people to to bring to the table. And what were some of his, his weaknesses, did you feel like, as you look at Yeah, so his weaknesses, I mean, his, it could be seen as a weakness, but like the lack of assertiveness in some, you know, like some cases, like challenging situations. He was very, this is also a good thing, like very calm, very key. Um, but, you know, at times he had this lack of assertiveness, this naive, um, you know, I loved, <laughs> I love the scene where he's trying to find his queen in Queens. And so they go to the club. He was like, okay, we need to go to the club to basically interview like all these different women is is kind of what it looked like. Um, and he was just naive to the fact of, you know, how these American women, like they're so different in personalities and kind of went in there thinking he would find the person, you know? So I think it's important for leaders to not just going go in thinking like, okay, this is what's going to happen. You have to be super open-minded and you, you know, you don't always, ego comes into play, I think a lot of the time. So you don't want to be like the most interesting person in the room. I like when people say like, I want to be the most interested person in the room. So I would say the lack of assertiveness, kind of the naive, um, you know, cause he's been sheltered this whole time. <laughs> yes. I think the lack of assertiveness kind of led to a conflict avoidance as well, where, he didn't really want to tell his dad what he was doing. He was kind of like, I'm just going to kind of you know, skirt around it, skirt around the conversation and go do my own thing until he was finally forced to um, like be transparent on what was happening and what he really wanted. Like there were attempts to communicate, but when his dad didn't understand, he was, he kind of took the approach of like, oh, I'm just going to skirt around this and, and not have this conversation right now. I'll kind of take the easy way out. And um, that's that's a challenging place to be in a, in an organization where if people are not if you're as a leader not able to be transparent and really face conflict head on like Craig did with Debo and Friday we talked about that a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's going to lead to a, a lot of uh, drawbacks because if you're handling this situation that way, there are likely other situations you're going to handle that that way as well. Yes. Yes. And I think one of the like golden rules from the movie was definitely like use your influence for good, you know, like less ego, more, you know, more collaboration, more communication, like stand on your values, like stand on business because his best friend or his like confidant, his 
his person, you know, Simi, um, was very, you know, like immersed in the power and the money and the world that they came from, you know, from Zamunda. So, and, and that created its own conflict, I think, as well. Like, hey, you can have this healthy debate about whatever, like whatever the outcome is, whatever the goal is, but I'm going to keep to my values and I'm going to challenge these systems that don't work. You can be on board or you can't. But, um, and Simi obviously was like there for him, but there was instances where they, they didn't agree and they didn't see eye to eye. 100%. You're snapping right now. I love it. There's a bars right there. I think you also mentioned him being naive, which was a, which is another problem I think a lot of leaders struggle with. I relate to this a lot as a very positive person. I feel like sometimes it can borderline on, on being naive. So, so I resonated with some, with some of the things I saw from Prince Akeem as far as just like assuming the best intentions of people and just assuming things are going to work out okay. Um, like he was very idealistic and was like looking for this perfect partner and was just like blinded to the fact like that might not be a, be a reality. Uh, but even with him like coming in and just assuming he'll be able to fit in with the people of New York, having no experience, having no understanding of what they were like, um, it reminded me a lot of like a, a CEO at a company picnic where they're just or a, like office party or whatever. It just never talks to anybody, but then comes down. It's like, yeah, I'm just one of you. And it's like, no, you're mm-hmm. not. Like, you don't understand anything about us. You don't, you've shown multiple times you're not really listening, um, but they try to just be immersed instantly. And it, it just doesn't, doesn't really work. Yeah. Those, um, those, I like the analogy of like the company picnic. Cause I've actually seen this play out where like a CEO exec comes in and everyone's like, shh, 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 you know, or even HR, like HR comes in and they ruin the party, you know, quote unquote. But I think that it's important for leaders to understand their influence and like, think about how you can use that to build connections, to get to know your people. Cause I know you know, there is a generational thing where if you think of like boomers or maybe Gen X, you know, they want to work and they want to go home. And, you know, really that's the thing, like, especially boomers, like we came to work and they didn't have these extra resources of like well-being and EAPs and all that stuff, you know, that were really solid foundations. It was just work and go home. So I think understanding some of these differences in the workplace too drive how you build connections with people. Because today, millennials, especially young millennials and Gen Zs, like they need that connection in order to drive the work, you know, or feel productive or feel like they're making a difference. And so it's not just aesthetics. So in coming to America, he wanted to, you know, Akeem wanted to look the part. He wanted to look like a New Yorker, which actually when he they dressed as New Yorkers made them stand out like way big time. <laughs> like people were like, <laughs> okay, they look like tourists on steroids, right? Um, And he wanted to fix his hair, you know, they use the soul glow, which we love the soul glow commercials, but (laughs) he wanted the jerry curl because he saw, you know, um, the interest, the love interest that he had, you know, the guy had the soul glow look. And so it's not just the appearance on the outside. It really um, is how you build those connections. And ultimately he got the win from that. Being the, uh, yeah, he found a way to be authentically himself, but still yes. connect with the people that he, he was, he cared about that he met in New York. And I think that is a, uh, it can be a tricky, tricky dynamic for a lot of managers where you want to be authentic, but at the same time, you're still the, the manager, you're still the leader of this team. So there are harder conversations you're going to have to have. You might have to fire people at times. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean it's personal, but 
it's just part of the job that you have to hold people accountable. And sometimes it can be it can be easy to lose yourself, you know, through the process. Um, so I think one of the lessons we can really learn from this movie is just how important it is to be authentic um, yes. and, and be the kind of leader that you are. Yes. Authenticity is the secret sauce. So no matter what industry you're in, no matter what your title is, corporate, startup, like you can still be yourself. You can still be authentic. You just have to peel back some of the ways to like, okay, how do I do this? How do I find my voice in the work that I'm doing? The good news is companies are changing and they're evolving to where they're embracing authenticity versus just like this stuffy, you know, corporate. And I come from corporate America, so I, I've seen it firsthand. But, you know, companies are really starting to shift. Ways of working is starting to shift. So either, you know, you get in line or you're going to be behind, you know. So I think start thinking about your authenticity, how it shows up in work, how you show up not only for your team, but as a leader of self, that's super important, I think. I love it. And I think, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this as far as like, how do you become your authentic self? Because it's a, it's a journey. It's a process. Like yes. I'm 41. I still feel like I'm learning who I am as a leader and as a content creator and as a dad and like as a partner and all these things. Like it's a constant journey of just take for me personally taking time to reflect on like what's important to me what are my values mm-hmm. are the things that I'm doing aligned with my values and my goals um, part of it is just understanding emotional intelligence and how I'm going to act mm-hmm. when I'm stressed how I'm going to act when I'm frustrated when I'm happy and how that that changes how I'm wired a little bit um, but also understanding what I'm naturally good at um, and the things I'm enjoy and how do I use those things when I do when I am faced with an obstacle or I have a goal like how well do I understand how I can use my strengths to to really propel me and propel me forward and prevent myself from getting stuck? But when you think of authenticity and, and self awareness, like what are what are some of the tools and tactics you've learned to to use? Yeah, those are all amazing, and those are those are definitely ones I would say as well. I think when you're trying to find your authentic voice, like it's there. So I want people to know that like everyone has a gift, everyone has talents. You know, I'll say this every time. Um, sometimes it just takes a little bit to like uncover what those are. So a lot of times, like when I'm talking to younger people, especially I ask them, like, what do people come to you for? Are you like a good writer? Are you a good, you know, communicator? Do you give advice? Like, what do your friends come to you for? Cause sometimes they're like, I'm not really sure what I'm good at. But then I also, you know, tell everyone that you will change. Like the versions of you are going to evolve, even in your 20s to your 30s, to your 40s, to your 50s. Like you're going to continue to evolve. It's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. So take your time with self-discovery, like getting to know yourself. Um, I always, you know, date yourself. They always say like, go out on solo dates. Like, what do you like? What are your hobbies that are not tied to labels? So like, what do you like to do outside of work? And that's another way to unlock your creativity. It's it's never gone. It's just, you know, sometimes you have to just go do regular things to uncover like the th- your authentic voice or things that you like. And then you can insert that into like, okay, well, how do I want to use this and show up at work? So sometimes you have to grieve past versions of yourself so that you can embrace new versions of yourself. And that's okay. And when you're tired, rest. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be grind, like I'll sleep when I die, toxic hustle culture. Um, I'm still unlearning that. <laughs> so that's where I'm at in that journey. 
I love it. Yeah, the like, like working through the trauma is sticking with me. Like how important it is to have, if you're able to. Like some people don't have access to it, but like mm-hmm. having spaces where you can just talk with somebody and like have that thought partner that can kind of guide you in the conversation, whether it's a therapist or a coach or a mentor that you trust. Like all these 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 people can play can play pivotal roles. So yeah, you think journaling is amazing. Journal, another just- great one. It doesn't have to be anything structured. You don't need any prompt questions. I mean, if if you do, you can hit us up and we'll give you a lot of prompt questions, but just get in there and just start writing. Like, you know, and I found these really cool things too that I want to buy and they're affirmation cards, but you put them in your shower. Like they're like magnet or they're like some kind of like sticky and they're water resistant, obviously, but there's some blank ones that I think you can write on. But other ones have like affirmations and mantras and things that you say. And a lot of people like me, I don't know if it's just because I'm a water sign or whatever the case may be, but (laughs) I get my best ideas and I do my like deep thinking in the shower, you know, and I think a lot of people are like that and maybe it's the sound of the water, but things like that, we can get really creative with um, making a space that nurtures your authenticity, your voice and like all of those things. Is Scorpio a water sign or a fire sign? I'm a Scorpio. Um, I feel my like... daughter is a Scorpio. She is fiery. So <laughs> I think it's a fire sign. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, um, so what are some of your favorite scenes? Like, what are some of the scenes that really stick out in coming to America? Oh, yeah. So I love the, I love the club scene just because it's funny. Um, I really like the barbershop. So... I think the the barbershop stood out to me, not only because all of the barbers, like all of the old men who who hung out in there were either Eddie Murphy or Arsenio Hall, which was crazy because if you've seen the movie, I think minus one, there was one guy who's not either one of them, but most of the characters were them, which was kind of wild. But I love how they were just like roasting each other every chance they get. It is a typical like American barbershop where, you know, guys just go to shoot the shit and just talk. And it's kind of like a beauty shop for women. Like, and, and I liked it because I grew up in the beauty shop where my mom would take me to go get her hair done, or, you know, one of us would be getting our hair done, but we would be there for hours, like literally half a Saturday, um, just listening to like the women and, and watching them talk and give each other advice and gossip and stuff like that. So I really loved, um, the barbershop scenes. And then lastly, probably the black awareness rally where he actually like sees his love interest for the first time. And, um, because the singer Randy Watson and his band sexual chocolate, (laughs) they're just like a staple, you know, character in the movie that we still make fun of today. Um, and those two, like the preacher and Randy Watson was Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall again. So I think it was just, it was just a funny scene. Um, but I loved how they all kind of came together and, you know, he was like, wait, there she is, you know? Yeah. One moment in the barbershop scene that I want to get back to that a little bit that I loved is when he came in and was like, I want this haircut. And yeah. The barbershop was like, just be you, man. Like, don't try to be this other thing that you're not like, just be your, your authentic self. And just like just, just getting there's these little moments in the movie where he just gets this guidance that kind of keeps him on track. And yes. I think a lot of times as leaders, we 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 get we get good guidance from people, but we don't always listen. 
And right. I think sometimes that can that can prevent us from from really being being at our best. But there's so many classic scenes in this movie, like Eddie Murphy just crushes it from the start to the the finish. Um, and yeah. he still like got his little like adult humor throughout the movie as well, which he really was known for in the '80s. And mm-hmm. now he's more of like the family man. I feel like when he's in movies, like he makes more movies that are appropriate for his kids to watch. But yes. <laughs> Like all the daddy daycares and the Dr. Doolittles and stuff. Like when I think of him now, I definitely think it's like a family movie. Like my daughter in elementary school would like those movies. Right. Um, but his his classics are timeless. And so I think it's really fun to go back in time in these capsules and look at these movies that were staples in our house. And we can still draw all of these leadership lessons, whether they're you know, crime boss movies or their romantic comedy movies, or there's always a leader, you know, in a situation. And so it's, it's fun to go back and analyze those. I love it. Well, I'm excited to continue this journey with you. What, what, are, we, what are we talking about next week? Ooh, that's a good, that's a good one. Hmm. We'll have to pick a, a really good movie it could be crime drama scary or it could be funny and lighthearted. you'll have to you'll have to tune in for it stay tuned to find out <laughs> i love it and follow us on social as well i know cassidy's really active on on instagram do you want to want to shout out your instagram cassidy yeah so instagram is cassidy on the gram so pretty easy um linkedin cassidy edwards at tradeblock and we'll link it in the show notes as well. Follow me as well, Mr. Jacob Espy, Mr. Jacob Espy on uh, on Twitter and on LinkedIn and TikTok, all those. And we'd love to hear from you. Like, what movies do you think we should be talking about? What, who are your favorite leaders, leadership characters? Um, at any point throughout out cinema history, or maybe even one of your favorite TV shows, we just want to know what who you think we should be talking about. We'll pick some of our, of our favorites for future episodes. And yeah. Cassidy, I appreciate you having so much fun recording these. Thank you. See y'all next time.